I'm Crystal Keating, welcoming you to another episode of the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast. We love answering your questions about disability and how to welcome families with special needs in your church and community. And today, I am so excited to talk about one of my favorite ways that families impacted by disability can be rejuvenated, refreshed in God's Word, while spending time in community with others who understand similar challenges, all in a space that fits their family's needs. I'm talking about Johnny and Friends Family Retreats. And here with me today to share about their incredible experiences serving as brand new volunteers at Family Retreat are two of my friends, Ariel Mitchell and Jace Magari Fuji. You can learn more about Family Retreats at johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast. And listen now to hear Jace and Ariel share about one of the hardest, but one of the best weeks of their lives. Today, I have the great joy of sitting down with two of my friends, Ariel Mitchell and Jace Magari Fuji, to talk about family retreats. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. Thanks for having us, Crystal. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having us. So glad you guys could come. And oh my goodness, it's so fun you guys are here together to talk about the many blessings a Johnny and Friends retreat offers to families with special needs. I've heard it said that retreat is an absolute haven for families impacted by disability, a little slice of heaven, in fact. So, Jace, how would you describe family retreat? Yeah, you know, family retreat was such an amazing experience. I think I went in there thinking, how am I going to bless my camper? How am I going to do what we're about to do? Um, And I left there really just being blessed by my camper. Mm. And that was probably one of the the biggest takeaways that I had. you know, you really see firsthand how to love people affected by disabilities and how they love others and how they take care of people. Um, and it was so contagious to to see that and then to want to do it for others as well. So it was it was a wonderful experience. They say it's the it's the hardest but best week of your life, and and that was absolutely true. Awesome, I love that, Ariel. What about you? Well, Family Retreat is an event that is hosted for families affected by disabilities to be refreshed in God's Word in community with people that are like-minded in the faith and maybe even some who aren't believers yet. It just gives them a space where it fits and suits all of their families' different needs. You know, a, a space where there's ramps for people who have wheelchairs or who are walking with crutches or anything like that. Um, A space that's really thought well through that a family can't typically get when they go on vacation just anywhere. Right. That's true. It's fully accessible. And, uh, you know, families are cared for. They're encouraged. They're rejuvenated in a Christ-centered, fully accessible camp environment. It's awesome. And I know that you guys had a ton of fun when you went. What happens at a family retreat? I think you hit it spot on, Crystal. People just have a lot of fun. And it, it varies from retreat to retreat. It depends yeah. on what facilities you have there. But I know at ours, the one that me and Ariel went to, um, we had a water day. So we set out a water slide. Um, we had awesome. water stations for people. We had a day when we brought in a petting zoo. Hot basically. air balloons. Hot air balloons, yep. That um, was fun. Accessible. You could ride in the mm-hmm. hot air balloons. Yeah, mm-hmm. accessible, wheelchair accessible, hot air balloons. Hot air balloons, yep. Um, and uh, horseback riding. Yes. That was a lot of fun, too. Um, so it's just a lot I of fun activities. Yeah. That's awesome. There's usually some kind of swimming involved. Mm-hmm. 
and especially if you're in a really hot area like we were out in yep. the desert. Yep. <laughs> you, were you guys in Murrieta? Yes. We were in Murrieta. Okay. So we got out of the car and it was 103 degrees, if I remember that day, with, I, think I don't so. I think, 70% humidity. So it was hot. It was very hot. So it was spiritual refreshment and refreshment because of the water and the water slides. That's yes. awesome. <laughs> now, you guys both went as volunteers, and we call our volunteers short-term missionaries, which are really the ones that make family retreat possible. Um, What does a short-term missionary do, or an STM as we like to call them? Well, I think there's a variety of things that they do, but basically it's just being a friend, a friend to whoever you're paired with, whether it's someone with special needs or even a family member with special needs, and just coming alongside that family all week long Mm. and loving on them and showing them Jesus and really becoming a part of their family. Mm. That's awesome. So, Jace, I know you were also an STM. What was your experience like as a volunteer there, as a short-term missionary? Yeah, so I actually came into Johnny and Friends three years ago when I first got hired and had no prior experience working with people affected by disabilities. Really? I had no friends, no family, no any. there were no connections with people affected by disabilities for me. About three months after I got hired, I was sitting at my desk and I just honestly thought to myself, God, I don't know why you have me here. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I love my coworkers. I love the work that I'm doing. It's fun, but I don't really have a passion for, for this. Mm-hmm. And long story short, um, as family retreat came around, we had a couple of male STMs who had to at the last minute withdraw and they needed somebody to replace them. Mm-hmm. And so they asked me to go in their place. And after God made it very clear that that's what he wanted me to do, I said yes. And it was honestly the best experience of, like, one of the best things I've ever done. It really, really was. Uh, you, you go there and you, like I said earlier, you really are blessed by these campers. Like, you see people who don't care about height or weight, uh, race, ethnicity, whatever, like, what kind of car you drive. They don't care. They just want to wow. love you and they want to be loved. And that's right. contagious. You know, it, it makes you want to do the same for others. You really see God's presence there in everything that we do, the worship, um, the activities. Um, you see it from a different perspective, and it was such a blessing. Jace, I'm curious to know what your camper was like. I mean, you don't have any experience working with people with disabilities. I know you love the Lord, mm-hmm. and so here you are. Tell me about how it was to be with your camper all week. Yeah, by God's grace, I was paired with a camper named Alex. Okay, His family had been at that family retreat for 11 years. Um, I think it was 11 years in a row. So really, that was the best case scenario for me mm. um, because their family or his family showed me what it was like to do disability ministry. They already knew kind of what they were doing and, and how the lay of the land worked. And so that was just such a blessing for him to show me what to do. Like Alex um, knew what he needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So by the end of the week, you don't even see the disability anymore. And it's not That's about beautiful. it's not about how do I communicate with this person or is this person going to like this or that? Because you just know by the end of the week, like you can pick up on their tendencies. Um, so it, it was really a cool experience to be able to bond with your camper in that way. Yeah, my experience was unique. I was pregnant. And so if there's anyone out there listening and you are in the family planning years, you can totally be a short-term missionary (laughs) while you're pregnant. It was hot, like we mentioned before. Mm -hmm. My feet were incredibly swollen, but I still had the time of my life. And I had actually worked at Johnny and Friends for four years already. And like Jace, I had zero experience just being around people even with special needs. Mm. My aunt, when she was 18— passed away from hydrocephaly. 
And mm. I had um, interactions with kids with Down syndrome, but actually being in their lives that upfront, that close and personal mm. for five, six days in a row from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., um, I had never had that experience before. And so it was definitely unique. And I think it was unique for me in another way, too, because it's hard for me to take a step back. And I think because I, I was pregnant and I was worn a little more easily than everyone else, <laughs> I had to take a step back and let others serve. And that was so cool for me because all of my worlds had kind of collided. I had my work friends I had my church friends. I even had my sisters there, and they were all serving in different capacities in ways that God had brought everyone together to make family retreat a amazing experience mm. for these families. I was paired with a high school student to serve a gal who had what we would call invisible disabilities. Mm. So, so there she, were two volunteers with one camper. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it was myself and one of the gals who actually had been in my middle school small group at the youth group I serve at in my church. And so we were paired together with this gal. And um, at first we were kind of like, well, she doesn't need us. And right. it was just her, her and her mom. So I ended up actually just being able to sit and chat with the mom and hear her story mm -hmm. and hear her heart for her daughter. And the gal that I was serving with, the student, realized at the end of the week that this girl just needed a friend. Mm -hmm. And it was unique for us because we were expecting someone in a wheelchair or someone right. who was not totally verbal you know, just the, the different kind of maybe more extreme cases of disabilities that you would see. Right, the visible ones. Mm -hmm. But we didn't see that. Um, but this gal needed a friend that wasn't going to judge mm. her for how tired she got so quickly because of the chronic illness that she had. Mm. We've, we visualize, you know, an accessible camp as being a physical place where wheelchairs and crutches and walkers can go. But it's so much more than that. It's an accessible place where people are accessible, that hearts are accessible, that friendships can be given. And so you not only minister to the girl, but to her mom. And I think that's true of disability, right? It's really isolating, we've heard. Mm -hmm. it so, is. And what I'm so impressed about you two is that you really didn't come with experience. But I'm curious to know, did you have any fears or hesitations about going? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's normal. Fears would be an understatement. It was it was terrifying. Really? <laughs> going for the first, oh, yeah. I well, think it required a lot of persuading, if I remember correctly. A, a lot of persuading from Ariel, yes, and uh, <laughs> from other people from our church. Um, and employees. And employees and, and my friend. boss. And, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so the morning that I said yes to camp was the Thursday before camp started. And you waited till the last minute. I waited. Well, I said I said no at least 16 or 17 times. It was a lot. I, I did not want to go. <laughs> and uh, Why didn't you want to go? I, it had to do with the fact that I didn't have, I think it was me not having the uh, prior experience. Yeah, and just you, the fear you didn't of the have unknown. that confidence, yeah, totally. It was the fear of the unknown. And I, you know, we, we have staff meetings here. And I sat in the staff meetings and listened to, I don't know how many employees tell their story about family retreats and how sure. awesome it was and how they encouraged us to go. And I sat there in the back and I said, no, nah, I don't think this is for me. Like mm. that, that sounds great, but I, I, this is just not for me. Mm. Um, so 
but yes, after a lot of persuading, I prayed that morning um, when I was asked to go um, because I really didn't want to. But I said, God, please make it clear to me if this is what you want. And I kid you not, about seven or eight employees came up to my desk that day throughout the course of that morning and said, hey, are you going to Marietta? Because I think you should go. And the, I started to feel like Jonah after a while. And I was like, okay, I, I think I think this is what God wants me to do. So yeah, there were, there were a lot of fears. But for me, it was kind of a blessing because I said yes on Thursday. Friday, I had to get all my work done for the next week because I wasn't prepared to be out of the office that week. Yeah. Saturday, I ran around town trying to get all my supplies together. And then Sunday, we were in the car and we were going. And it wasn't until we were on the road that I sat back and thought, what did I just say yes to? <laughs> so uh, I didn't really have much time to think about it, which was nice, I guess. But yeah, it was very scary arriving at camp. You um, made the but, commitment and God met you there. Absolutely. Okay, you guys brought up the first day of family retreat. And it's a big deal because there's like a huge receiving line, right? Mm-hmm. There what, is. What's that about? So think of it as like all the cars are coming in and kind of a parade. The families are arriving at all different times. There's coming between probably a few hour block. Yeah. So we mentioned yeah. we were in Marietta and it was... 100-something degrees that day. (laughs) And we all had our spray bottles and these little mini fans, and we would go hide in the shade. And then someone down on the corner would say, okay, someone's coming. And so we would all go back to our posts, Mm -hmm. and we just cheer and yell and say hi. But sometimes we had families with... um, Sensory needs? Yeah, Yeah. and so they'd be a little too overwhelmed if we were yelling at the top of our lungs and banging (laughs) on their car, trying to welcome them. So (laughs) we would do kind of like a golf clap. I love that. Yeah, and and so it was really fun just to – that was the big kickoff and just to make them feel really welcomed Mm -hmm. and to feel appreciated and seen right when they drove through the gate, before they even checked in, before they even got to their room and unpacked, before they met us officially, Mm -hmm. that was the first thing that they got, which I think is such a fun way to welcome people into community in general, but especially a family retreat. Oh, yeah. I mean, all year long, outside of family retreat, these people are not celebrated, unfortunately. They're mm. not, they're treated differently. And so this is this was our opportunity to show them that no, you are loved, you are celebrated. Mm. Like we're happy to have you here. That's why we cheer. That's why we we do the welcome that we do. And it, it was it was really cool to see. Like Ariel said, it was hot. And like we said earlier, you know, she she was pregnant, but she did everything. She stood out there with us in the hot sun with her swollen feet <laughs> and <laughs> and and participated in all the games, all the activities. Mm. So yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It, it definitely brightened up the day for for everyone that was coming in. Um, and I think it was really neat for the campers to see, wow, like these people do care about me. Totally. So we, uh, we have a rule at Family Retreat, you're not allowed to say sorry. So because for 300-something days of the year, all these families are apologizing mm-hmm. in public for what maybe their kids do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were told, hey, if your camper gets up on a table and start dancing – you get up on the table and start dancing with them. Like, we're going to celebrate <laughs> them. We're not going to, the families are not going to say sorry for that. Oh, this is exactly why it's a slice of heaven because God is celebrating these families all the time. And so they get a little piece of what God is doing, you know, in that spiritual sense. I, I just love that, you guys. Okay, so Ariel, how were you impacted by serving as an STM? I think for me, it was just a really incredible way of seeing the body of Christ come together and serving the Lord in such a unique way. You don't really get this kind of service opportunity year round in the sense of it's a big effort to put it on for a few days or several days at a time. And 
I think just seeing how everyone came together, and I think especially for me, the times of worship were really impactful because worship, when you have people with all different abilities and disabilities come together, it's honestly, it feels so surreal because not everyone's singing on key. Some people are clapping totally off beat. There's a conga line going There's around. Line, yep. <laughs> and it's just when you think of worship and you think of worshiping Jesus from the depths of your heart, that is the most real way to experience it mm-hmm. is to be in that room every day yeah. with yeah. everyone just worshiping God. And I think stepping back into our typical church setting we miss that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, just like knowing this is how worshiping God is supposed to be. And I think that you you don't always get that fully. And I think we get into a routine and a mm-hmm. rhythm of just going to church and this is what we do every Sunday. And it becomes a rhythm of like, okay, we're going to sing worship songs and we're going to sit down, we're going to listen to a message. We might sing again at the end. And so it it can kind of become more of a task. And so when you're in this type of environment and you're seeing this worship happening and that's where I get back again to, it sounds so cliche, but it really is like a slice of heaven. Oh no, it's not cliche. And even as you're talking, I'm thinking that is amazing worship. A lot of us don't really get to experience that maybe on a typical church Sunday. But when you see the full body of Christ coming together your heart and your soul can't help but be so excited and joyful for what God's doing. So, Jace, what about you? I mean, how were you impacted by serving as an STM with Alex? Yeah, I mean, other than the fact that I discovered that I do have a passion for serving people with affected by disabilities here, I think it really put an emphasis on service. Um, so I actually had a friend, Luke, who was serving at that camp too. And at the end of family retreat, he came up to me. He said, Jace, you know what? Like, I've been to tons of Christian camps all my life and they're fun. They're they're great because you're doing things for yourself. Like you're learning, you're playing games and um, you're there for yourself. But this is the first Christian camp that I've been to where your entire job 24-7 is to serve somebody else. Mm-hmm. And this is the best thing that I've ever done. <laughs> And when he told me that, I just I kind of stood there for a second and thought, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like this is different because this is this is what Jesus meant for us to live on on Earth. To, right. He said to come and serve others, and that's why this camp did feel different. Mm-hmm. And as Ariel mentioned, the worship was just amazing. I mean, we had this huge conga line every single day, and you know, I'll admit, the first day that I was there, I, I play in our church's praise band, so like, I'm used to a little bit more structured worship. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so the first day that we got there, and I saw this giant conga line, I thought I. I don't know if I want to do this, but my Alex wanted <laughs> what to. What is happening yeah. here? So we got in line and, you know, everyone's dancing there. They hand out instruments and people can play them. And, you know, everyone's just kind of singing their own thing. And I just, I, I was in line. And I was thinking, I, I feel so ridiculous right now. Um, but the second day when we did the conga line, I stood up with Alex because he wanted to go in. And I just had this thought for a second that this is what heaven's going to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone just worshiping in their own way, praising mm-hmm. God, not caring what they look like, whether they're dancing or whatever it is. Um, and it just, it brought tears to my eyes. I thought, this is, this is, this is what it's like. This is the slice of heaven that people yeah. were talking about. Yeah, it was such a cool experience. And you have to go and experience that to really fully understand, I think, what we're Absolutely. saying. Because I think we were told that a lot. And mm-hmm. like Jay yeah. said, you yeah. know, being in staff meetings and hearing it every day at work, mm-hmm. It, it was kind of like, okay, this is what people say. But when you go, it's so different being able to really 
understand it and own it for yourself right. and seeing how God is at work when you're there firsthand. Right. Yeah. Cause you're right. When, when you hear about it, it does sound kind of ridiculous. Okay. We're in a giant conga line with all these instruments, but when you're actually in it and doing it, like you experience worship like no other. And, and Ariel, like you said, you know, we, sometimes we get stuck in this groove where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is how worship's supposed to right. be. But I mean, that's, there's not a guideline for right. that. And so I, after camp, I, I was like, man, we got to go back to our church. We got to start a conga line. Like, I, we, <laughs> you know, we, we do uh, worship in, in chapel here at Johnny and friends. And I was like, man, we should, we should bring that to the chapel. It's <laughs> kind of too small for that, but I mean, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And so it's just, it kind of reinvigorates you, you know, mm. it, it, it really shows you a different side of worship. Well, the thing that stands out to me of what you said is you don't think about yourself. You just praise God. Mm -hmm. You're not wondering what people are thinking. You're just thinking about the Lord and how much you love Him. Mm -hmm. And that is true worship, right? Right. Now, what about your view of the church or even your relationship with Christ? How has that been impacted since going? I would say that my view of the church has definitely changed Because going back to the worship aspect of it, um, it kind of brings, to my mind at least, the idea that when I went back home, it felt like something was missing. Mm. And structured worship is a good thing, and unstructured worship can be a really good thing too. (laughs) So I think just realizing that that was missing, realizing that there are some opportunities that we miss sometimes, I believe, in the church to give opportunity for people to worship in their way, Mm -hmm. in a way where they feel comfortable, in a way where they don't feel judged, Mm -hmm. in a way that they can with their disability, Mm -hmm. whether it's a conga line, maybe Mm -hmm. that's not always appropriate for Sunday morning. Well, uh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you're partial to the conga lines now. (laughs) I'm thinking about it. (laughs) But when I came back to church and I felt that that was missing, I realized that we're missing out on opportunities not just to allow people to worship in that way, but to also give them an opportunity to serve and to bless us because it was a huge blessing, an eye-opening way for me to see other people worshiping Jesus Mm -hmm. and that it didn't have to be a structured way. It Mm -hmm. didn't have to be like that and that true worship of God, it comes from the depths of our heart. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't have to be a specific way. Mm. That's a really good point, Ariel, because you're right. I mean, there are so many ways that people with disabilities, affected by disabilities, can can serve and offer the church. And it's sad because people do look at people affected by disabilities and think, oh, well, you know, because of your disability, you can't contribute or maybe there's nothing that, you know, you can do. Right. But there are so many ways and it, it may not be the norm per se, but there's so many right. ways that they can serve as well. Right. Um, that actually reminded me of a story from last year's family retreat. Um, we had this girl who had a disease that, unfortunately, it was eventually going to take her life within the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. But she was blind. She couldn't talk. She couldn't um, hear very well. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for her to participate in worship. But her STMs had a great idea. One day they said, well, you know, because she can't participate in the room with everybody else, what if we ask the worship team to come off to the side after worship is done and just play a soft song around her? And they did that. And actually, it was the worship team that ended up crying. Like all of them Mm. broke down into tears. And it was such a cool moment for that girl, even though she may not have even known it, she ministered to the worship team, Mm. um, just allowing them to have 
that opportunity to bless someone in that way. Mm. Um, so it, you know, it, it, there's so many ways that they can give back to people. It may not be the conventional ways that we think, but right. they're a, as much a part of the body as anyone else. Man, that's a great story. And it makes me think too of just the love of God that condescends to us as humans and he meets us where we're at Mm -hmm. and he loves each one of us in a very special way. And, you know, you two are so committed in your church and I understand that you took a bunch of students from your youth group to serve with you at family retreat. How, How did that come about? We did, but you've got to love how God works because usually there's a a humorous aspect. So it's a funny story. I was still on staff at Johnny and Friends at the time, and I serve in our youth group. So I was doing that with our middle schoolers. And our youth director, his name is Phil, has always taken our high school students every summer for a week-long service trip. Back then, it was a project in the inner city. Unfortunately, after a few years of doing this, the director of that ministry left and had to move on to something else. And there was no one available to take over that ministry. So our youth group was left without a service project. So I kind of caught wind of this and I was kind of picking Phil's brain. What are you going to do? And he was like, I don't know. I was like, you know what? You should take them to family retreat. Yes. And he was like, (laughs) kind of like, what? I don't think he really understood. He was just like, okay, are y'all, you know? (laughs) So a few weeks later, I was like, well, have you found a service project for the students? And he was like, no, I still haven't. I don't know what we're going to do. I really want to do this still. It's something they look forward to. And I was like, you should really take them to family retreat. Mind you, I have not been myself yet, so (laughs) I'm talking about something I don't know. So he even said, why don't you go and you tell me how it'll be for our students? (laughs) So I laughed, and I think at this point it was probably February, and he still had no service project planned. So I was like, Phil, come on. Let's just take them to family retreat. The great thing is I can get a week off of work and I can go with you. So you've already got one leader to go. go. (laughs) So I convinced him to at least come to Johnny and Friends. And it was really cool. He came, his wife came, who's one of my really sweet friends now. And one of our church elders came to Johnny and Friends. And they met with our family retreat director, who also had been a youth pastor before. So he could totally speak to another youth pastor and what that experience is like taking students and if it would even really work. Right. So at the end, we reconvened in the conference room and our elder stood up. I think he was just getting ready to go, but it felt like a really heavy, like dramatic moment. So he stood up and he said, I think we need to invite our whole church body to participate in this. Oh my goodness. And I was floored. I almost fell out of my chair. (laughs) So it was really exciting. And from there, it was a lot of planning. It was, it's a new way of getting our students plugged in. Mm. And so it wasn't the same consistent thing that Phil was used to. And so that's where it was fun because for me, because I got to be a part of it and helping the students get their forms in and writing reference letters for them and making sure they got everything collected so they could be a part of it. And then when our students, every May, they take three Sundays and they fundraise um, with the church to be sent out on their service project. And so it was really fun to be able to announce that we were doing something new. We're going to family retreat. Johnny and Friends is right here in our church's backyard, right? We're neighbors Mm -hmm. and that we're going to be doing this and that we wanted to invite all the other church members to join us too. Oh, you you ended up inviting the we whole did. church. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So it was awesome because me, Jace included, 
there were 18 of us from oh our church, gosh. incoming freshman students into oh. high school and adults and all different backgrounds. Some people who had family members with disabilities, mm-hmm. a lot of people who, like Jason and I, had zero experience. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. So that's kind of the short version of how it all happened. Okay, well, how did you get your students to even consider doing this? You know, Phil has really ingrained a culture of service within our student group. And so even year after year, as new students are coming in and joining, our middle schoolers are even getting excited they're pumped to be able to go once they mm-hmm. become freshmen, but they're also pumped just to be able to help with the fundraising aspect and mm-hmm. to pray and to tell people about what they're doing. So our middle school students are also out there helping fundraise and supporting the high schoolers, even though they know they're not going to be able to go yet. And they're really looking forward to being able to go. So I think it really just came down to the fact that the heart of leading no matter what capacity you're in at your church, that service is what's behind it. Service is what God asks of us. And so our students already understood that. So while they probably had a little bit of fear and they were a little bit timid about doing something new and something so different, Mm. they were pumped. They were ready to go. Mm. Yeah. And and one, how cool was it that during that time that Phil was looking for something, God kept the door open Mm -hmm. for us to still go. And two, I think it actually really helped that Ariel and Phil hadn't been to family retreat before because they were a great example to the students saying, hey, I've never done this either, but we're going to try That's it. That's so true. You know? and, and it spoke to the rest of the church too. All of us got up there and said, hey, we haven't done this before, but you should join us because yeah. this is a great opportunity. We're in it together. Okay, so how would you describe your students' experiences? I mean, I'm, they must have come back with like a ton of stories and you got to see them in action. No joke, each of them left begging to go back again. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. an easy yes. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a student in my car on the way home crying because she had to mm-hmm. say goodbye to all of the friends that she had made and because mm-hmm. it was such an eye-opening experience. Mm-hmm. So, I would say that they more than loved it and mm-hmm. they have now gone back another year and they're Two planning on going yeah. back again this year. Mm-hmm. So, this will be third year for some of those they're students. Hooked. Yeah. One of the toughest things about family retreat is when you get paired with your camper, usually around midweek or so, you kind of hit this wall. Like you hit this obstacle where, okay, I can't figure out how to communicate with my camper. I can't figure out how to do this mm. or that. And you eventually, through God's grace, find a way to get over that wall. Mm. And that's when you bridge the connection. The sad thing is that that usually happens like the second to the last night of camp. And that's why it's really, oh, like, really man, hard. man, we need more time to be yeah, together. Totally. Yeah. And that's what makes it hard to leave. And, you know, I think we saw that. Both of us saw that on the students' faces when they finally made that breakthrough. And they said, oh, wow, th- no, this is awesome. Like, I want to be here longer. And we had to leave. But um, it was a great experience for them. I think for me... I went in there, and I don't know, Ariel, if you feel the same way, but I was really wondering what their thoughts were going to be afterwards because they hadn't done this before, um, and they're high school students. I wasn't sure. They were just going to be high school students, and at that age, you know, you you wonder what what they're thinking about when they're going to camp like this, but they left, and they all said that they wanted to go back. Yeah, and then we paired them with the special needs ministry leader at our church and a few of them went through a little bit more formal training and so they are really? available to help in the kids ministry mm-hmm. when we have families that have a kid with special needs come oh, so like as a buddy yeah that is wonderful so there's like a long-term ripple effect within your church mm-hmm. yes that is incredible okay we'll talk more about that like what are some of the other ways you've seen 
how the students were impacted overflow into your church as a whole? In general, I think our students are more aware. They're aware of people and aware of hurt going on in the world. Mm. So they already had such a heart for service, but I think that a week at family retreat made them more compassionate Mm -hmm. and really understanding more the heart of God and his desire for his people to come back into his fold and being a part of that. And we actually had a student get up during the testimony time at the end of family retreat. All the volunteers were together and everyone was standing up and sharing their experience. One of our students who was going to be a freshman in high school, so you're thinking probably 14, 15 years old, he got up and he said, I didn't even realize that there was a whole people group missing from my life. Mm. Whoa. For a 14-year-old student to recognize that yeah. and to vocalize that, and then all the students agreed mm. that there were phenomenal people that they that were just not a part of their normal daily lives mm-hmm. at school, mm-hmm. on the field, on the court, wherever it may be. They realized that that was missing, mm-hmm. and it was almost kind of like they were sad about it. And another reason why they probably had a really hard time leaving because they knew that they were going to go back to something so different. Yeah. But it made them, like I said, more aware because then when they went back to school, when they went back into their daily activities, they were looking for how to still encourage people mm. who were affected by disability and not just people with special needs themselves, right? but the family members because yes. so many of our students weren't even paired with someone who had a special need. They were paired with a sibling. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah, and that's a great point, Ariel, because it's not just... I think people do focus very much on the person affected by disability, but they tend to forget that it's not just that person. It's their family. It's right. their friends. Everybody mm-hmm. around them in their circle is also affected by the disability. Because right. it causes you to have to do things differently. You plan your day differently. You have to account for travel time and are these places accessible. Um, right. So, I mean, um, you know, we Scott Bankhead was on this podcast a few weeks ago and he talked about just finding a place to live is hard because you know you got to make sure that the doorways are accessible for your wheelchair yeah like Um, who's thinking about that mm -hmm. when you're 14 if you don't have that kind of experience right Mm -hmm. yeah we actually had a student who has a cousin with down syndrome and so she was more experienced than even myself going into family retreat. And she had this expectation that she was going to be paired with someone who really needed her because of their disability. And she got paired with a sister of someone with a severe disability. And that girl had a pretty stinky attitude that week. Mm. And so our our student volunteer had a really hard time figuring out how to relate to her. And she was like, can I just be paired with someone else? You know, we're not really working together. And we talked through it. And I said, you know, this girl really needs you. She probably feels like this camp is all about her brother. Mm -hmm. She probably feels like she was just brought along and she had to come and everything is about brother Mm -hmm. because kind of like how Jace had mentioned, when you have a special need in your family, your life seems to revolve around that because Uh even being the sibling of someone with a special need, just maybe being embarrassed even Mm -hmm. that your sibling acts out per se, all the time. And so we had a really good chat about it. And at the end of the week, those girls were such good friends. (gasps) Mm -hmm. And 
she told me how blown away she was that God would use her for something like that, completely out of your mm-hmm. expectations, yeah. which is so fun because that's what all of us walked away saying. We had an expectation mm-hmm. and it was God completely blew it completely, away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were still in love with the, the way that we got to serve these mm-hmm. people that week. Yeah. I think the special thing you see at Family Retreat is you get to see relationships built, um, marriages restored. We've seen that too. Mm-hmm. Um, just connections that you never thought would form happen. And, mm-hmm. and Ariel, you're right. You know, that for that girl, it probably wasn't just a family retreat that she was feeling that way. She probably felt that way her whole right. life that, you know, everything was kind of over her head or she was always mm-hmm. overlooked. So now she was and acting so, out yeah, exactly, <laughs> family right. retreat. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the taking care of the family, the siblings are just as important as taking care of those affected by the disability. Like, you know, we have at, at Marietta and I think at all the other camps, uh, we have like a mother's pampering day. So they get their hair done and their mm-hmm. nails done and get massages. The dads have they like a cornhole. Yeah. The dads have a cornhole tournament. Some of them have <laughs> archery. It's, it's fun. And, and, you know, and if they don't want to do any of that, we tell them that is totally fine. If you just want to go and take a nap, you can do that oh, too because it, it is exhausting. It's it's a full-time 24-7 job to take right. care of someone affected by a disability. Get some respite and refreshment. Mm-hmm. Well, we're winding down, you guys, but what would you say to someone who's uncertain about serving as an STM at a family retreat? I mean, what encouragement would you give to this potential volunteer? Yeah, I think we, we kind of already touched on it, but both Ariel and I went to family retreat with no prior experience. And it is a little daunting at first to think about that. Like, okay, I'm going to this camp. I don't know what I'm doing. But I think you can take it from us. It was one of the best things that we've ever done. Um, For me, I I think the bottom line, the thing that I learned was that you don't need special training to be a friend. You don't need a PhD in special education to love somebody. And that's all that we're calling you to do. So go there, be a friend, and love on somebody. And show them Jesus. Um, and it, it, when you do that, like everything else falls into line. God gives you the grace to do everything. Yeah, I say just jump in. Trust what God is up to. Maybe don't take super long to say yes and have 17 people hound you and say no 17 <laughs> times and feel like Jonah going to Nineveh. doesn't have to be that way. Just jump in. Trust what God is doing. And I think something that we all walk away saying, just again, one of those phrases that you pick up on at Family Retreat and it you carry it with you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. But it's that you walk away feeling more blessed mm-hmm. than any kind of blessing you could have poured out that week. Yeah. And you know, if God calls you to go and you do say no 18 times, guess what? You're still probably going. <laughs> <laughs> or I, you might end up in the belly of a whale. Or you might end up in a whale, yeah. But <laughs> thankfully, I, I ended up at Marietta. <laughs> oh, Jason, Ariel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for I having love us. love your hearts. Yes. I love your heart for the Lord. I love what you're doing with these students especially in the lives of people affected by disability. You guys are both such a huge blessing. Thank you so much for your time. Hearing from Jason Ariel today has gotten me excited to volunteer at Family Retreat this summer. This isn't just a week of fun. It's a week to celebrate families impacted by disability the way that God does. When you look at people through God's eyes, you don't see disability. You see people who need Jesus, who love and want to be loved. So if this conversation has gotten you excited to volunteer as a short-term missionary like it has for me, please don't miss this opportunity. Apply today at johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast. Family retreats are taking place all across the country, and it's an incredible opportunity to serve on your own, with a friend, or with your whole church. 
As Jason Ariel shared, you don't need to have any experience serving in disability ministry. You just need a heart to love people and be a friend. So don't hesitate. Don't miss this slice of heaven. You'll receive on-site training, and God, He'll meet you there. Visit johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast to apply. And don't miss next week's podcast episode as we hear from Mike Gora and Chris Pearson. They'll be sharing about their experience taking wheelchairs and the love of Christ to people with disabilities in Haiti. In a poverty-stricken country, a wheelchair can literally change a life, providing the opportunity for community. So be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm your host, Crystal Keating, and thank you for listening to the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast.